Good morning, good morning. Welcome to New Covenant Church. We are so happy to see your smiling faces here today. As you can see, things are getting a little crowded. We're okay with that. We're glad that you came. If there's room in the center of your section, if you move to the middle, the people who are coming in after the first song, they won't step on your toes and kick your coffee over. So you could do that. There's also overflow parking available behind T-Mobile and Chick-fil-A. So if you're Golden, I keep. I want it to be a Chick Fil A, y'all. I like Golden Chick just fine, but if it was Chick Fil A, I'd okay. I'm not preaching today. One more announcement about how good God is and how much He's growing our congregation. Starting September 3rd, there will be children's services available at the nine and the 10:30 service. So if you're just coming to 10:30, thank you, Mark. Thank you. If you're just coming to 1030 so that your children can go to their respective ministry services, 9 o'clock is going to be an option for you. Come in, get church done while it's still cool, and get out in the heat of the day and play games. Today we're going to have corporate communion. So if you're online and you're joining us, you got about five minutes to grab a piece of toast and a little bit of juice so you can celebrate with us in corporate communion. One last community announcement. I, y'all may have noticed it's a little dry outside. Uh, Our community leaders, elected officials, and some local church leaders are going to meet next Saturday, uh, the 26th at 7 p.m. in the Courthouse Square and uh, have a public proclamation and prayer for rain. So if if you'd like to be a part of that, if you're not already praying for rain, (laughs) um, it's only been about two months and two weeks at my house since we've had measurable rain. I'm sure y'all are experiencing something much along the same lines. Next Saturday, 7 p.m. in the Courthouse Square, uh, community and church leaders will be gathered there. Stand up with me this morning as we get ready into praise and worship. Uh, We've got an awesome set lined up there already this morning. The the band's warmed up from this morning, the first service. You can worship with your tithes and offerings outside in the lobby and uh, avail yourselves today to corporate communion with us. So we'll get those elements to you if you didn't get them when you came in. Father God, this morning we thank you for the opportunity to come spend time with you. Lord, I know that you uh, had this day in mind when you set the planets into motion so long ago. And Lord, you knew who was going to be here today. You knew what we needed. You know what we need to hear. Father God, minister to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road leads to life. I wanna be on it. It's a narrow road, mercy is why. Cause you killed all your promise. I take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I see how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I take you at your word. Oh, I take you at your word. 
I've seen it in my life It's a narrow road that leads to life But I want to be on it It's a narrow road Tide is high Push your part of the water I'll take you at your word If you said it, I'll believe it I see how good it works And if you start it, you're completed i take you at your word Yeah, I'll take you at your word You say your love will never give up You say your grace is always enough You say your heart would never forget or forsake me You say I'm saved, you call me yours You say my future's full of yours You've never failed, so I know that you'll never fail me I'll take you at your word If you said it Amen. Now that you're awake, let's do some communion together. If you didn't receive the elements when you walked in, if you raise your hand, someone will gladly bring them to you. Got one down here in the middle. One over there. That's all I see right here. Mark, straight across. So this morning I was thinking about communion. You know, this is something we do monthly. But it's something we can learn from. Continue, continue, continue. We do it our whole lives. So thinking about the word that Pastor Darrell's been sharing about looking to Jesus. I looked at Jesus, and when he was doing communion with his disciples, he didn't just take lightning and light words on a stone tablet and hand it out and go, this is what you need to do. He sat down with them. He broke the bread. He gave it to them. He took the wine. He shared it with them. It was a personal experience. It was time he spent with them. This week, I'm going to ask while we, while we do communion together, I want the Holy Spirit to show you somebody this week that you can spend time with. Whether you break bread with them, whether you share a little drink with them, just spend time with them. That's all he wants us to do is just spend time with him and one another. Amen? So this morning as you open the wafer, we remember that Jesus was sitting with his disciples after a good meal. And he broke out some more bread. We do that in my house. But he took that bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. So, Father God, this morning, I thank you for this wafer. 
that represents your body that was broken on the cross, your son's sacrifice that made life with you possible. We thank you in Jesus' name. You may eat the wafer. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood that's poured out, the new covenant that makes the forgiveness of sins and the healing of our bodies possible. So, Father God, we thank you for this juice. Lord, we thank you for that sacrifice that was literally poured out just for us. We remember it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're sitting near the end of a row, there'll be a container. You can pick that up and pass it down to collect the empty elements. Well, creation suddenly articulate with a thousand voices as one and then from north to south and east to west we hear Christ be magnified with a whole of echoing his elements Name would burst from sea to sky, from rivers to the mountain tops. We hear Christ be magnified. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let His praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Most melody and every human heart is native cry. Then in one rapture, we'll see Christ be magnified. Oh, Christ be magnified. Magnified in me, oh, 
stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway to resurrection life. And I join you in your sufferings. And I join you when you rise. And when you return to glory, all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing.
sit inside this song for a little while. Just kind of let it drop in.
there's no place that we would rather be than in your hands and belonging to you, Lord. Or to the King of kings and Lord of lords. You alone are worthy of praise and we give you a praise this morning. got here uh, real early this morning and just spent time in prayer. One of the things that I prayed for was rain. We're in in an extended drought, as as Pastor Mike mentioned earlier. As I was praying for the rain and thinking about the drought and the conditions, uh, the Lord started bringing different things to my mind that wasn't really what I expected. It was like he was asking me some questions about it. And he was like, well, what are the conditions of drought? And I was just thinking of of the dryness, obviously. Uh, The grass outside our house looks like dust, practically. Um, The places that are walked on are just trampled and just... They couldn't be any drier. But then he brought something to mind, and, and it was... You've also heard that there's you know, burn bans, obviously. There's uh, fire hazards right now. Literally a spark could ignite a blaze that couldn't be put out. And then God said that's the same as the spiritual condition right now. Not just in our nation, but I believe throughout the world. That we've been in a long season of drought. We feel like... Maybe would even question, is God moving? Is he speaking? Is he doing anything? Does he see what's going on? And it it's, feels like a drought, and I believe because it, it has been one. And the spiritual condition is just what we're seeing in the natural. It's dry. But then he said, a spark's coming. The Holy Spirit in the Bible is, is spoken of as a fire. I've had it on my heart for a long time just praying for our youth, for our children, not just of Lampasas, but in our nation and throughout the world. And I've just been praying, Lord, it would only take one, one person getting on fire for you and it would spread. And and that went along with this word that he was speaking this morning. And he was like, yeah, it's only going to take one, but there's sparks about to fly. And when it starts, nobody's going to be able to stop it. And it's going to be a move of God through the Holy Spirit. And it's not going to just be in Texas or in the United States, but throughout the world. But the preparation was drought. But when we get this dry and we get this desperate, that's when we turn to God. And it's a sad thing that it takes that, but that's that's what history has proven over and over and again. I want to pray this morning for the spiritual drought, but also the physical one. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I believe without a doubt, Lord, we have said and have felt for a long time, Lord, that it is just a matter of time that a a move of God is coming, Lord, and I believe it is soon. Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, the sparks are about to fly. And these dry and parched and weary souls are going to be lit on fire, but with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to spread, and the churches will not be able to hold them. Father, all glory, all praise, and all honor will be to you, because it's a move that only you can do. It's a move only you will do. 
Father, I believe it's going to burn out everything that needs to be burnt out. It's going to be a great time of repentance, Lord. A great time of crying out to you. And once everything is burned out, then a spiritual rain will come and we will see life grow. Father, we ask for that same rain in the physical, Lord, not just for land passes, but for our state and every area in this nation, this world that is experiencing drought. Lord, we ask for your physical rain, but more importantly, Lord, for your spiritual one. Or we literally can't live without it. We can't live without you. Or we give you all glory and honor and praise this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are so glad that y'all are with us this morning for worship. I'm going to invite uh, Tim and Marissa Sargent up with their daughters, Reagan and Rachel, and any elders that may be with us this morning in the second service. If you were here a few weeks ago, you may have heard Pastor Darrell mention that um, Tim and his family were going to be moving to Germany. Uh, They've been with us for a few years now and have been such a blessing. We've seen your little girls grow up. (laughs) And um, not that long ago, I mean, it's been the last six months a year, Tim approached me and he had felt God had called him to the ministry and he uh, has gotten in seminary uh, online courses and knew that God was leading him that way and he and I were going to walk in, in a mentor relationship and how many of you know sometimes God doesn't do things the way we have planned? So shortly after that, Tim got orders to go to Germany and we're like, well, and, and Pastor Daryl gave him a word not that long ago, just in the last couple of weeks, that God was going to teach him and show him more in Germany than he would ever get in a seminary. He is still called the ministry, and he's going to be prepared for ministry while in Germany. And we just want to pray for and bless their family. If you'll just join us in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for Tim and Marissa and Rachel and Reagan. Lord, we are so thankful for the blessing, Lord, that they have been not just to New Covenant Church, but to this whole community. Lord, I thank you for the calling on his life and on uh, Marissa's life and Reagan and Rachel's life. Father, I, I, I steadfastly believe when you call one, you call a family. Lord, their, uh, their future for all of them is in Germany, and you have great things for all of them there. It's not uh, just about Tim's career, just about that preparation, Father, but there's something there for his whole family, and we thank you for the blessing that it's going to be. Lord, our heart's desire is that they would come back and be with us again, but Father, wherever you choose to send them, whether it's here or abroad, we know that you will lead and guide them. You will protect them. You will fill them, and you will always be with them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, love y'all. Thank you. Y'all look good. Good morning. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're a visitor or guest, welcome. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're with us here this morning. You have your Bible. Go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll get there in just a moment. Uh, Pastor Daryl had started this series a couple weeks ago on Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. Many months ago, I think it was back in like October, November, December, somewhere around there, um, he was invited by a church in Haskell, Texas. That was one of the first two churches that he served in many, many years ago. And they're having their 100th anniversary this weekend, and they asked him to come speak and be with them. So we we're so thankful and blessed that he and Connie got to go spend some time with them. 
This morning, I'm going to continue uh, in this series, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus, and I'm very excited to say next Sunday, we will have uh, Pastor Joel Tmeyer. He's a senior pastor at Sulphur uh, Springs um, in the Way Bible Church. He has been with us four or five times. Yeah, if you've been here and heard him, you know you've got, he's going to bring a solid word from God. He's an anointed and gifted pastor. Uh, invite your friends and family, neighbors to join us next weekend. Uh, we're really excited to have him. And for that matter, do that every weekend. We'd love to, to have them all. Um, this idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus is a constant challenge. It's a lot easier to say than it is to do. And as I was thinking about it, it made me realize that it, it ties directly to our vision here at NCC, which is at NCC, we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. If we truly set out each and every day to know, hear, and respond to Jesus, fixing our eyes on him, he will become more and more of a primary focus in our life. Hebrews 12.2 encourages us to fix our eyes on him, to keep our focus on him. In the Amplified Version, it reads, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. I love the way that passage starts out, looking away from the distractions. And then fix your eyes. Look toward Jesus Christ. It made me think of a, of a statement that I've seen online and social media. Um, I'm sure it was around before then, but I think that's where I saw it first. And it's a, a simple statement. It says, choose your heart. Choose your heart. We might say it's hard to stay away from all the distractions. It's hard to stay away from social media. It's hard to stay away from the news. It's hard to stay away from just constant negativity. It's hard to stay away from fear. It's hard to stay away from all those things. And we could also say it's hard to keep our focus on Jesus. As hard as we may try, as much as we may desire, it's so easy to start looking around at those distractions around us. But while it seems like it's so easy to fall to those temptations and those distractions, what they bring, the consequences, the devastation to relationships, the devastations to marriages, the devastation to our children, the devastation to our life, our health, it's easy to make the decision. It's hard to deal with the consequences. We might say it's the inverse with following God. It seems like it's hard to say no to our self, to our flesh, to what we want, to what we desire. It's hard to keep our focus on him. But when we do, it's so good. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. There's no life apart from him. There's no wholeness apart from him in this life or the next. 
And if we choose that hard now, we can live in that fullness of life for all eternity. Which one are we going to choose? I want us to consider what happens this morning when we take our eyes off Jesus. Even for a moment. When we lose our focus on Him. I was reminded of Peter walking on the water in the first service that you know, he, he, he asked Jesus to come out. And Jesus said, come. And he was walking on that water. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and put it on the storm and the water, he began to sink. It only takes a moment of taking our focus on him and putting it on the distractions for us to begin to sink. And the title of this morning's message is a question. It's a question that I want us all to take a moment to think about this morning. And I want you to think about it like it's coming from God himself. Like he's asking you this question. And that question is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I'm not talking about at New Covenant Church on Sunday the 20th and the 10 o'clock service. Talking about the place that you are in your life, the things that you're surrounded by, the people you're surrounded by, the circumstances that you're surrounded by. How'd you get here? What are you doing here? And if you'll just go along with me for a moment, I just want to ask you to close your eyes. Try to put away all the distractions. Everything that may be trying to get your thoughts. Take a deep breath. Let it out. And again, imagine God is asking you this question right now. What are you doing here? How did you get here? Silence is uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> you, can, you can open your eyes. We're going to come back to this question again before we close to really understand what this question is about and why God asked it. He did ask it, and we'll get there in a moment. To figure this all out, we're going to look at the prophet Elijah in an account found in 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19. We'll just look at a few verses in 17 and 18 and then a little bit bigger portion in 19. But I would encourage you this week to read all three of those chapters. I believe the Holy Spirit would continue. I'm confident that the Holy Spirit would continue to, to speak to you about what we're talking about this morning if you choose to do so. We're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, and Ahab was the king of Israel at the time, and he was a very evil king. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand. It's interesting that he says those words, because Elijah's, he's standing before the king. 
But Elijah doesn't say, I'm standing before you, King Ahab. He says, I'm standing before the Lord speaking to you. There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. At that moment, a drought started in the land, and not one drop of rain was going to fall for a very long time. And during this period of drought, God was going to work multiple miracles through the prophet Elijah. God would provide unending flour and oil to a widow and her son who would take care of the prophet Elijah. He would actually ask her to make him a cake when she was going to make it for her and her son. And then the plan was to starve because they had nothing left. But Elijah said, if you'll make something for me first, God will take care of you. And she did. And God provided unending flour and oil. Later on during this famine, her son would die. And she wasn't real happy. Elijah wasn't either. But Elijah prayed again and God resurrected her son back to life. All of this is found in chapter 17. Now we're going to jump to 1 Kings 18 verse 1. And here we're going to find the end of the drought. This was three and a half years. So in our In our perspective, time flew by real quick. It all happens in one chapter. Uh, Somebody mentioned Mike, Pastor Mike said, two and a half months that we've been in drought. It seems like a long time, doesn't it? Can you imagine if this had been going on for three and a half years? So we just fast forwarded over those three and a half years, and now we see this in verse one. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah did go to Ahab. But before he would pray for rain, he was led to do something else. He asked King Ahab to call together the 450 prophets of the Baals and the 400 prophets of Asherah and bring them together. And he was going to propose a test. He said, we're going to build an altar. And we're going to ask, y'all ask your gods to bring fire down. And I'll ask the Lord, the one true God. And whoever sends down fire to burn up this sacrifice, he is the one true God. And so these false prophets from morning until midday cry out to God. and to, Well, to their God, to the Baals and to the Asherah. And nothing happens. Elijah even pokes a little fun at them. They cut themselves and do all scream and yell. Nothing happens. And finally, after midday, Elijah's like, okay, I don't think anything's going to happen. My turn. They literally have to repair the altar they've made because of all the commotion of these other 850 guys. They like, it just all fell apart. So they rebuild the altar. And then Elijah says, dig a hole, a trench around it. And then he says, go get water and pour it over it. Go get more water and pour it over it until the trenches are full of water. And then Elijah prays. And God answers the prayer and fire comes from heaven and it not only burns the sacrifice, it burns the wood, it burns the stone. It says it burns up the dust and burns up all the water and all the liquid and literally nothing is left when God answers that prayer. And then Elijah says, hey, grab all those prophets. And he puts them all to death by the sword. 
And after that, he prays for rain. And when his servant sees a single small cloud, he says the size of a man's hand, Elijah tells him to go tell Ahab to get home quick or otherwise he'll be stopped by the rain. And 1 Kings 18.45 says this, And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. All these events are recorded in chapter 18. James 5.17 also references this account. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. James says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was human. He was flesh. We're going to really see that here in just a moment. Each of the miraculous signs and wonders that we just covered were examples of Elijah hearing God's word, praying God's word, and walking out God's word. Elijah was totally focused on the Lord. His attention was totally given to the Lord and in response to his word. He had his eyes fixed on God. Elijah prayed, and as James said, fervently. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. Elijah prayed, and a widow's flour and oil didn't run out. Elijah prayed and a widow's son was raised from the dead. And there's something that happened in that account that I didn't mention earlier. And that's that God didn't answer the prayer on the first time. So Elijah prayed again. God didn't answer the prayer on the second time. So Elijah prayed again. God didn't answer, or he did, I'm sorry, answer the prayer on the third time. But Elijah had to fervently pray. He didn't give up. He could have stopped after once. He could have stopped after twice, but he continued to pray. Elijah prayed and fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice that he offered to the Lord. And Elijah prayed and the drought that had gone on for three and a half years came to an end with a great rain. So God, we, we read at the end of the chapter 17 that God told him, okay, now go to Ahab and I'm about to end this drought. I'm going to send rain. So we know it was a word from the Lord. And so what Elijah was praying was exactly what God had told him to. But here we find the same thing. I didn't mention it a moment ago, but Elijah didn't just pray once and get his answer. He sent his servant after praying once and said, do you see anything? He comes back, nothing. He prays a second time, go check, nothing. Prays a third time, go check, nothing. Four, five, six, seven. On the seventh time, the the servant comes back and says, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he says, go, we got our answer. But he was walking in the word of the Lord and his prayer still wasn't answered immediately. And that's something that I want us to answer sometimes or want us to remember. Sometimes it's so easy to give up, even if we feel like we heard God and we've been praying for something and believing for something. But if we don't see the answer immediately, we just give up. Well, maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe he didn't say that. But Elijah was a man with a nature of like ours, and he prayed 
fervently and we see these answers to his prayer and all this is really impressive. They're some of the most well-known accounts in the Old Testament. And then we come to 1 Kings 19. I'm going to come down to the floor for a little bit and this I'll talk more about this in a minute, but this is just a simple act of obedience. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. This is right after he put to death those 850 prophets that ate at her table. These were her prophets. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. I'm going to stay here for just a moment and take a look at this. So... She threatened his life, and he ran away. Did God tell him to run away? No. The other interesting thing is the first thing he asked God is, kill me. He could have just stayed there. I think one of the things that we see here is, and we're going to see more of it in a moment, Elijah was exhausted. He was tired. He fell asleep. He just crashed here under this tree. He, he obviously wasn't thinking clearly. He knew what it was like to hear the voice of God. He knew what it was like to respond to the voice of God. He knew what it was like to see God work in miraculous ways. But at this moment, he had taken his eyes off of God, and he put it on man. And in that fear, ran away. And then asked God to do the very thing that he's running away from. Verse 6, and he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. I just want to stop there for one second, too. Mount Horeb is the mountain where Moses was given the Ten Commandments by God. And they called it the mountain, the mount of God. And so this is the same place that Elijah is now. But God didn't tell Elijah to go to Mount Horeb. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And it's not, I don't believe it's a question of judgment or trying to put him on a guilt trip. I think it's actually a question of mercy and grace. And I think that's the question he's asking us this morning. What are we doing here? What are we doing in the place that we find ourselves this morning today? 
God hadn't told Elijah to run. He didn't tell him to go to Mount Horeb. He didn't tell Elijah anything new. And Elijah didn't ask. He just ran. So God asks him, what are you doing here? And now I think we get a glimpse into what was going on in Elijah's head and why he was so off. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Elijah was exhausted. And he had taken a burden that was God's burden upon himself. Look what he said. I've been very jealous for you, O God. For the people of Israel, everybody else has forsaken your covenant. You feel that right now? You look around at the world, the nation, and be like, it's all gone to hell in a handbasket. We're the only ones left, God. Nobody's following you. Everybody's abandoned you. It's all on us. And he says, and now I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too, God. So after this whisper, it says, and when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him, and God has the exact same question for him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He hasn't figured it out yet. His answer is verbatim the same. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And so now God speaks. And as the Lord said to him, Go Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Basically, go back where you came from. I wasn't done with you there. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bound to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God says you are missing the whole thing. It was never all about you, Elijah. It was always all about me. And when you kept your eyes on me, and when you heard my voice, and when you followed my voice, it was going to be okay. When you took your eyes off me, this man who had seen a land not receive rain for three and a half years, who had seen 
flour and oil go unending, who had seen a boy resurrected to life, who had seen fire come from heaven, the moment, the moment that he took his eyes off of God, he did not have the strength in himself to stand. We can't do it for a moment. We don't have the strength for a minute, let alone an hour or a day or a month or a week or a year. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and look away from all the distractions. Candy and I's marriage is not um, immune to failure. If we don't follow God and keep our relationship together with him in the middle of it, we will not make it. We're not special. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I can't follow God for a day without falling if I don't keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. The moment that I take my eyes off of him, I stumble, I fall, I get filled with fear. And I have to come back. Elijah was a man like us, but he prayed fervently and God answered his prayers. God will answer our prayers if we keep our eyes focused on him, if we hear his voice and respond to it, if we don't give up. He knew what it was like to pray and not get an answer. He knew what it was like to have to pray over and over and over, believing for what God had spoken to him until he got an answer. He knew what that was like. He had the experience. He had the faith. But in the moment that he took his eyes off of God and put it on man, he ran away in fear. But God didn't come in judgment and condemnation. He came in love and grace, and mercy, and he just asked a question. What are you doing here? How did you get here? Elijah, after he got uh, Elisha anointed, he didn't immediately go away. God didn't take him away. Elisha and Elijah walked together for some time. Elijah saw the end of Ahab and Jezebel's lives. He saw the new kings come into place. God wasn't finished with him. What he was saying in that moment was, Elijah, it's not all about you. It's going to go far beyond you. There's a bigger plan. There's more going on than what's going on in your sphere. But you still matter. I still want to walk with you. I still want to speak to you. I still want you to respond to me. But no, there's a bigger plan at work. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. There's another prophet that's going to take your place. And there's going to be ones that are going to take his place and their place until Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, it's going to go on after that. And that's where we find ourselves today. And he's with us and he's at work and he has a plan and there's hope and it's not all about us. But he does have a question for you this morning and I want you to to bear with me one more time and bow your head and close your eyes. 
And one more time, I want to ask you this question. And again, imagine that it's the Lord asking you the same question that he asked Elijah. What are you doing here? How'd you get here? Have you been looking at the distractions? Have you been looking at me? You feel hopeless? You feel out of strength? Tired? Exhausted? He's there for you for all those things. And the encouragement this morning is to put your eyes back on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And every time your gaze falls away, look at him again. Turn back to him again. Listen for his voice. However he speaks to you. And when you hear it, respond in obedience and know that the weight's not on your shoulders. The results aren't on your shoulders. The way it plays out is not on your shoulders. The only thing on our shoulders is to keep our eyes on him and be obedient to him and then trust him. Father God, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you're not done with your people. Lord, I thank you that there are far more followers of Jesus Christ than we know. Lord, your body is alive. Lord, and I believe that word that you spoke earlier, that that the sparks are going to fly and the fire is going to rage and we're going to see the Holy Spirit move in ways that we can't imagine. Lord, and we're going to pray for that and we're going to believe for that, but in the meantime, we're going to trust And we're going to hope in you. And we're going to keep our eyes on you. Father, I pray that everyone in this place this morning and those watching online, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will give them the answer for why they are where they are today and that you will speak to them what they need to do to get their eyes back on you. Lord, we give you all glory, honor, and praise this morning. If you'll stand with me, our ministry team is going to be available for prayer. We have a song that we'll close with. Uh, Many of you may know it. And just put your eyes on Jesus.
we followed him there or sin no more has dominion for more than conquerors we are turn your eyes upon Jesus pulling his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of this world will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Before we close, I want to share one last thing. I hope it didn't come across like I was too hard on Elijah. Because <laughs> as Pastor Gerald says frequently, and I do as well, we don't share a message unless it's something that God's speaking to us and this is a question that God started out asking me what are you doing here how'd you get here those two specific things that I had to respond on one there was a list of things that I hadn't realized God had been speaking and I had been hearing his voice but I wasn't responding in the way that I should have and I repented and I asked for forgiveness and I'm I'm going through the list of of responding to those things now the second thing was to distractions that take your eyes off the distractions. So this last week on Wednesday, uh, I opened up my phone and basically turned it into a middle schooler's phone. I, I hope your middle schooler's phone is like this. Um, I turned off the internet. I took off every news app. I took off every access to, like I can't even go on a website. Um, I took off every game. I took off email. Literally all that my phone will do now is get me places because I'd get it lost otherwise. Uh, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to live without that. Um, so I've got GPS. I've got the Bible. Candy actually asked me last night. I was in bed, and I was on my phone. She was like, what happened? I, you still have something on your phone. I'm like, I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> but it was a constant distraction. So I did all this, and then I handed her the phone, and I said, put a password on it that I don't know, and give it back to me. And she did. And so it's been four days now. I'm surprised I'm not like, (laughs) no Facebook. It was a distraction. And in my heart, I said, God, you're more important than all this crap. It's important enough to put our eyes on him. Do what it takes. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for every person that is with us this morning, that's online, that will listen later, Lord. God, I pray that you'll give us the strength 
to keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, I don't have the strength to make it a moment when I take my eyes off you. And Lord, I pray that every day there will be more and more time that I keep my undivided attention, my undivided focus on the eyes of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that this body will do the same and that the whole body of Christ will do the same, Lord, and that those sparks are going to come and that fire is going to blaze and we're going to see a revival in this nation and in your world, Lord. We just thank you. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all. Be blessed. We're so glad that you're with us. The ministry teams will be available if you would still like prayer. God bless you and have a great week.